Welcome to the Heart of Acadian, where we present news, stories, and information that further Acadian Company's mission of protecting and saving lives. In our last uh, podcast, you talked about your teaching with Westinghouse down here in Louisiana. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, when um, my boss up in Westinghouse pushed me to come to Louisiana, he kept telling me, I'm telling you right now, you're going to like this so much that at the end of this one-year assignment, you're going to quit and not come back up here and work for me. Now, I just figured that was a sales gimmick. He really meant that. He was from Bill Platt, and he really thought that he'd lose me down here. Now, I don't know what, how he figured that out, but his father-in-law was the retired dean of men from UL named uh, Joe Real. And he was in his early years, and I reported to him at Lafayette General because that was part of his assignment uh, in his later years after he retired from UL. He was doing some marketing and public relations work for Lafayette General at the time. And the, the Westinghouse contractor experiment, as you called it, was to teach... Uh, unemployed people, un- disadvantaged people, right. to get them back on their feet and get them gainfully employed. And so in the mornings, I taught the high school part of the equivalency program. In the afternoon, the hospital staff taught the nurses' aides and the housekeeping. So it was a joint program that we worked on, so and each program would last for perhaps uh, four months. And so it was quite intense for me to be able to do that. And uh, I worked both I had two programs, one at Lafayette General and one at Our Lady of Lourdes, and I worked in both programs. Because the goal was to get the, the uh, students eventually employed in, in health care yes, somehow. Yes, Interesting. Yes. So how long did that last? And, and uh... So, to be very true, for the first six months, it didn't go real well for me because the food was highly seasoned. I had trouble making friends. People talked funny. It was a little hard on me. I was so far away from all my relatives. And so I actually wanted to quit and go back to that radio station. And I called my dad and said I was going to quit and come back north. And I'll never forget him telling me I couldn't come because I couldn't live back at home. You give those people a one-year commitment, and you need need to stay and fulfill that. Then we'll talk about it after a year from now. I sometimes wonder what would have happened if he said, okay, come on home. Mm -hmm. Because it caused me to have hard feelings towards him. I think my mom wanted me to come, but she didn't want to get in a controversy with him. He said, no, you made a commitment. You need to stay. And for a couple of months, I wasn't very happy with him. But now I go back and think, that probably was the right thing to do. Absolutely. So I've heard this part before. We'll share it with our listeners. The uh, pulling into Lafayette in July in a car with no air conditioning. Had an old Buick Skylark, two-tone white Skylark, black um, roof. Um, I forget. To, it had like a canvas color on the, on the back. And... It had no air conditioning. It was July 22nd. It was about 1.30 in the afternoon. And I came across that 190. I come down through Opelousa and I come to Lafayette. It was 98 degrees and I had no air conditioner. Now in Pennsylvania, the weather is very moderate, mild. That's the hottest I have. I was sweating so bad. It was a terrible situation. I was very miserable for the first three days and I finally went to the beauty dealership on Pinhook. I didn't have any money, but I spent $400, which made almost nothing in my bank account, for an air conditioner they mount underneath the dashboard to give me some air conditioning. And then I found an old garage apartment across the street from Lafayette General off of Bendel Gardens there. And there was like 40 wealthy women, widows, living there. And they were all nice grandmas, but I was the only male. 
And so they all made a big, of course, I was only 22. They made a big fuss over me. <laughs> and they would cook for me, and they would take me out to Oak Barn to play bingo with them. You know, they even, uh, two different times, would call me up and get me to drive them in a big black Cadillac to New Orleans so they could stay at their big home on St. Charles Avenue. And then they would buy me a plane ticket to come back on Texas International. And then the following week, they would buy a plane ticket for me to fly back down and drive them all back. So I got to be pretty good friends with them. In fact, they would get me dates with all their granddaughters. <laughs> That's another whole story for another podcast. Yeah, so we might want to. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the time with Westinghouse was coming to an end, and they wanted you to move back. We, we, I wanted to stay. And so the uh, number two man at Lafayette General, Roland Dugal, and I started scheming on how we could put together a company that would allow me to stay employed here. And we liked what Westinghouse was doing, so we started investigating um, an academy to do the same thing Westinghouse was, to get the federal money and come and improve people's lives, not just at hospitals, but at other facilities in Lafayette. It was going to be called the Evangeline Training Academy. We worked on that pretty hard, and we were struggling with that. When the funeral homes in Lafayette announced in uh, June, they went to the police jury and put their keys to their hearses on the table, said the new federal regulations are too tight, we can't afford this business, we are getting out of the ambulance business. And um, at that point, Mayor Bertrand and uh, Walter Como, who was the president of the police jury, then they got together to have a committee to try to figure out a way to do it. And they put an RFP out and nobody from New Orleans or Houston would respond. They couldn't get anybody to show an interest. There was no interest, and neither division had money to support a public service. The fire department didn't have any money. Police didn't have any money. And so I started talking to Roland and said, let's, let's apply and try that membership program. And I wrote to the man that I had helped at the radio station in Pennsylvania, and he sent me a packet with the membership contract and all the materials. And we wrote up a proposal to take, and really the person at this point that was making the big approval, the police trade would sign off on it, was Ray Bertrand. He was the mayor, a nice man, but tough. You're too young to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. He said no. And so then he went back out for some more proposals, and they didn't come in again. So I back a second time. He said, no, I told you, you're all too young. We're not going to deal with you. So I was pretty discouraged. His right-hand man was Ray Bottoms. When I went back the third time, he chased me out of there. Well, I was pretty discouraged, and my job had ended here. And I, uh, in the meantime, Roland introduced me to Richard Sterlis, who had just come back from the Marines, and we became roommates. And uh, I went back and told him I was moving back to Greenville, and he wouldn't let me go. He said, <laughs> you have to go back over there tomorrow and stay there until he calls the mayor of Greenville so he can hear for himself how it worked in Greenville. <laughs> and I was pretty upset. Richard was almost getting physical with me, saying he wouldn't let me go until I did that. It caused us bad feelings that night, I'll just say that. I went the next day at 3.30 and stayed till 6.30, and he came out and I said, you're still here, please, sir. When you call, I have the number, the mayor of Greenville, and just ask him how this works. You can ask him about this, and if you still don't like it, I'll leave. He spent 15 minutes on the phone with the mayor. He says, I'm going to visit with a couple of people. I'll have someone call you tomorrow. 
At 10 o'clock the next morning, his right-hand man called and said, come on down here. You're all too young, but I don't have any other choice. And if this worked in Pennsylvania, maybe it can work here. So we're going to try you all out. I'll never forget that. So this is you, Roland Dugan, Richard Sterling. In the beginning, it was me, Roland, and Ron Buckner. Richard was my roommate, but he okay. wasn't really actually at that time a Norman. Okay. okay. That happened a little bit later. Great. Well, in our, in our next podcast, I want to pick up where you actually started on September 1, 1971. Good. We hope you have enjoyed listening to The Heart of Acadian. If you have any ideas for topics you would like included in future episodes, please email podcast at acadian.com. For more information about our company, please visit acadian.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram.